980 WCAP. How are you? I'm Chris Publon. This is Jack's Cafe. Unfortunately, I'm missing a Jack right now, but I'll do my best to fill in the big man's shoes. Now, on this show, we like to talk to a lot of authors. I know we, we have a lot of books come in, and it's gotten me even reading. And uh, joining me on the lines right now, we have a, a really interesting author. He, he made this book. Well, you know how McDonald's get into fights with, uh, not fights, but uh, through advertising schemes. you got McDonald's against Burger King, and they're all campaigning against each other. Well, back in the day with the invention of the ballpoint pen, they had this thing called the Pen Wars. And joining us to tell us all about that in his new book called Mr. Ballpoint is Gerald Everett Jones. How are you, sir? Chris, thrilled to be on. Oh, well, thank you for joining me. Well, hello from near Santa Monica Airport, the, the birthplace of the DC-3. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. Another piece of history, but, you know, that'll, maybe, that'll be another book, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm reading in, in, your, in your little bio here, and you really have a lot to do. You write a lot of historical uh, uh, books. I believe this is your eighth book with uh, Laporta Books and Media, but, uh, and this is, this is a great book. I, I have been reading this, and it's a uh, humorous fiction Right. Um, where this he... is a novel, and yet, yes, it's it's very liberalized uh, fiction. In that the zany parts of the story are actually quite true, but there were some other parts just to make it uh, a good tale that had to be, you know, cooked up. Right. <laughs> now, how did the uh, ballpoint pen come to be? Well, you know, Milton Reynolds, the, this this American huckster back in 1945, he was selling to retailers, and he had he had a marvelous invention he called this the video lighter, because video was a big new thing, right? And it had a translucent fuel tank, just like you know this disposable ones these days, but it looked like a Zippo, and and you know, in typical Reynolds style, he said, never runs out of fuel. And then if you turn the thing down and looked on the bottom, the fine print said, without giving several days' notice. Right. <laughs> so this is, this is the type of promoter he was. Right, okay. And he, he, call, he made a call on the Goldblatt Brothers in Chicago. They had a, a retail store. And they had this pen that they'd gotten from the war, Royal Air Force that was being used during the war. And, you know, a fountain pen was useless <laughs> in an airplane at 20,000 feet. Right. Um, and so this ballpoint actually wrote, it had been invented by this Hungarian Laszlo Biro. And, you know, people in, in, in Britain still call pens Biros. They didn't know from Reynolds. And uh, uh, so, so uh, Reynolds realized very quickly that uh, this crazy Hungarian must have a patent on the thing. And he, indeed he did. Uh, it, it, it used capillary action. It's the same same principle of drinking a soda through a straw. And uh, but but Reynolds was not about to be stopped there. So he consulted some uh, mechanical engineers, and they said, "Well, you know, you can't patent the law of gravity. <laughs> gravity gravity will get ink out of a pen. But the thing is, if you do that, you got to make the ink real thin. <laughs> so yeah. the pen is going to really leak. <laughs> and so, but what happened was." Reynolds beat his competitors to market. This was the Christmas season right after the war. There were only a couple of months to put, like, luxury gift items together in the stores, and nobody had them. And really, the Reynolds pen, which was the first one, it was the iPhone of its day. 
Uh, wow. The, the, day, the day that it appeared in October of 1945, there were 5,000 people. Now imagine that, 5,000 people outside Gimbel's in Manhattan. They had to dispatch 50 uniformed officers to keep them from tearing each other apart. And this pen cost $12.50. You could get a room at the plaza. Right, yeah, because this was and, uh, and, 1945, I believe, right? Yeah, and, and the thing was, one of the glorious things about this, the era of this story is, you know, the war had been so long and so painful, and everybody had had to sacrifice everything, and everybody knew somebody who had perished, and, and you know, women had gone into the workforce. There's a, a big social change. Uh, I mean, feminism had a lot to do with Rosie the Riveter and, you know, all right. the things that happened during that period. But that Christmas, everybody wanted everything. That was the beginning of mass consumer marketing, of consumer mania, of, you know, now's my turn. And yeah. Reynolds rode, rode this thing for several years, actually, until the big guys, uh, Ever Sharp and Parker and Waterman, the fountain pen manufacturers decided, oh, well, I guess this isn't a flash in the pan. <laughs> We'd better jump in here. And, of course, you know, at that, then he... he he sold out. Uh, he had made multiple millions of dollars back when that was serious money, and he bought a twin-engine bomber. Right, yeah, he kept and himself busy. He kept it. Well, you know, he'd always been an amateur aviator, and he he never had his pilot's license, but he, he flew right seat as good as anybody because he could pay for gasoline <laughs> or kerosene. And, um, uh, yeah, he decided he was going to break Howard Hughes' round-the-world record. Uh, in twin-engine aircraft, that you, know, you have to make at least four stops for refueling when you do that. And he did. He, he and Bill Odom, who was a, a, a fighter pilot, or actually a cargo pilot during World War II, um, he and Bill Odom and a guy named Tex Sally broke the Howard Hughes around the world record, uh, Seventy, I believe it was 72 hours. They almost didn't make it. Um, but but one, of the, one of the stories that I like the best uh, is that to promote this pen, just to show what he's a savvy marketer he was, he he made up hundreds of pens that were printed. I swiped this pen from Harry S. Truman. <laughs> How'd that work out? And he, uh, not quite the way he thought. <laughs> he he then gifted these pens to congressmen yeah. who were so proud of them because they were. See, the pen was so popular. After a while. They couldn't keep up with demand. They were just giving people numbered gift certificates. Right. That's <laughs> great. Like, You'll get a pen someday. Okay. So so these congressmen get these pens. You know, they're bragging to their friends about it. And, of course, they got a few extras so they could give their friends. So there were several hundreds of pens inside what we would call the beltway these days. And eventually, after this flight, Reynolds actually had a chance to meet up with Harry Truman. He got invited to the Oval Office. And he's congratulating himself. <laughs> what are they going to do? Give me the Congressional Medal of Honor? And of course, you know, you have to kill somebody for that. Right. But, uh, I think. I don't know. But um, he, he was just sure that he was going to get some kind of grand commendation. So he and Odom go into the Oval Office and, you know, you know Harry Truman. Yeah. <laughs> not, not necessarily a cheerful guy on his bad days. Uh, he glares right at, at Reynolds and says, 
I've got something for you. And, of course, Reynolds, you know, stands up, straightens his coat. <laughs> He's ready. <laughs> He's ready for his commendation. Truman opens the drawer, gives him this shoebox full of sticky, leaky pens. <laughs> <laughs> and he just says, I guess people think I know how to get these fixed. <laughs> so the, 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 the photo that survived, there's a photo of, of um, Truman congratulating Odom and Reynolds on their round-the-world flight, but Truman is shaking Odom's hand, right. <laughs> and Milton, Milton's kind of leaning into the frame like, <laughs> I'm here I'm here too. Oh, that, that's funny. That's really funny. Well, the book itself, you know, I wrote this book as a as a humorous novel, and you know, some of my previous books have been extremely silly novels about like male relationships. Um, I, I the Rollo Hemphill series of comic misadventures, I called it, and um, this book is really as a story, mostly about a father and a son. Right, and that's what I enjoyed about it, because, I mean, you'd think that was really all from Milton's perspective, but it's about his son's perspective, it seems, about his father. Like, he's kind of embarrassed about his dad. And Absolutely. And I, I had his son narrate it, and that, that was a deliberate uh, storytelling choice, of course. But I actually knew his son. That's how I got involved in oh, the really? story years ago, yes. And I, I worked for the company that uh, he headed for a long time. I never knew Milton. Milton died in 74. But I met, I met Jim Reynolds, the son, in 88, I believe it was. And actually, I did a corporate history, and Jim actually was dying and had, and, and, um, had not to- really had not told anybody but his close associates, and that's one of the reasons they wanted to get the the, the corporate history done. So I did a very serious, you know, uh, uh, journalistic piece on the company. Right. But uh, one of the things that struck me was how much of a straight arrow this Jim Reynolds was. I mean, he looked like Gary Cooper. He was tall, quiet, a man of his word. And, and it turned out he'd literally been a Boy Scout. He had been a latchkey kid when Milton was off traveling around the world. And, and he'd earned every merit badge like twice. Yeah. Could not tell a lot. But here, his father is this guy who, you know, he promised an exclusive to every retailer in New York. And, you know, the morning the pen came out, there were 13 different ads right. in the paper. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and so Jim was always trying to live his father down. And so I, that, it occurred to me that that was the perfect engine of comedy. That, you know, and I had a, I had a very um, uh, dynamic uh, uh, scientist uh, uh, of a father who uh, had very high expectations, and um, uh, he he wasn't uh, uh, Milton Reynolds, but I was certainly aware of the dynamic of a father setting extremely high expectations for his son, and you know all the complications and embarrassment that can you know arise from that so and i and i really feel that there haven't been very many good humorous stories about fathers and sons yeah not that i've seen i know there was that one adam sandler did with that's my boy but i (laughs) completely different uh type of scenario uh and i don't think i got too many really good reviews but i mean this seems like just a a better story of a father and son and uh, it it seemed what they made the success of what 
what Milton uh, did with the ballpoint pen, and it was almost like uh, his son was used to all the get rich quick schemes, and finally it worked. And I, I just thought oh, that was really yeah, it was it was it was literally get rich quick. And and Reynolds was a master marketer. He surrounded himself with some very talented people, and they they had. Uh, Jack Benny and Fred Allen telling jokes on the air. One of the one of the things that really got it off the ground was the slogan "It writes underwater." <laughs> yeah, right. People couldn't imagine why would you want a pen that writes underwater. And the thing was that Milman actually found out that that he had he had been testing the pen and it actually wrote on a rain soaked newspaper. He said, "Oh, it writes underwater." And well, Milton, why would why would anybody care? They'll remember that. And so what they did was one of the one of the uh, publicity stunts was they had a scuba diver in Florida go into a tank and autograph an alligator's belly. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> and then Fred Allen's on the air and he says, "Well, writes underwater. I don't know. Uh, I think a really useful pen would write the would be able to sign the tab when you're under like a quarter of alcohol." <laughs> <laughs> and then they had a song. They had a song called "I've Got a Rocket in My Pocket," which was sung on the um, Don McNeil Breakfast Club, and that was a separate model. They had and multiple models of the Reynolds pen. Reynolds rocket looked actually looked like a rock, rocket, and the holder you got had fins at the back. Um, and uh, the rocket, that song, there have been a number of rockabilly versions of that song since, but actually the original song isn't anything like those. I had to really dig to find the the original lyrics, and it's actually one of these kind of almost um, uh, 30 crooners kind of song. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but, but, of course, back in the day, just the implication, I've got a rocket in my pocket, that, that was about as racing as you could get. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a really funny book. Now, do you find you just like to go off the funny side of things? Do you do you like that's your thing? Because you you seem you've been around for a while. This isn't certainly not your first book. Yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, I I started my writing career doing nonfiction. I did a, a, a business how-to books, and and of those, the most successful has been one that's actually taught at Georgetown called How to Lie with Charts. Right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that looks great. Which is, it's a little bit you know, tongue-in-cheek. But, I mean, you know, if, if, our, if, our, um, if our congressmen are, are fitting to us uh, with their uh, charts and graphs uh, on the Senate floor, uh, if they went to Georgetown, <laughs> maybe I'm responsible. I don't know. Um, but it, is, uh, it was based on a, a book that's really quite famous called How to Lie with Statistics back in the 1950s. So I, I actually kind of stole the title fair and square. Uh, but I, I haven't, although I would say the novels that I've done up to this point have been all humorous. Uh, there have been four of them. Um, I am coming out with one right before Christmas that's actually a an homage to Ann Tyler. It's kind of a gift to her fans, because I, I think of Ann Tyler as my literary mother, you know, Accidental Tourist, and uh, um, Beginner's Goodbye is the one they're re-releasing, and she's got a new one coming out in February. But this is called Christmas Karma, and it's narrated by an angel who's not really an angel, <laughs> I mean, doesn't act like an angel, Yeah. Uh, and, and it is. It's got some. It's got some fairly serious content about some crises that happen in a family right before Christmas, but it, I think it has a, a 
a hopeful message. And then also, this angel has a sense of humor. Well, yeah, I <laughs> so, guess he'd have to. <laughs> yeah, so so I I would call it a dramedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the Hollywood term for you don't know whether to laugh or cry. But, uh, yeah, Chris, Christmas karma, uh, that'll be a, something of gear shift for me, um, uh, uh, writing for um, uh, what may be more of a female audience. Although one of the things that's interesting, the books that I wrote about Rollo Hemphill, uh, My Inflatable Friend was the first one, and the second one was called Rubber Babes, and the third one is called Farnsworth's Revenge, and those are relatively racy, young man on the make kinds of books, okay? And I had just assumed my audience would be some young men. It turns out my audience has more mature men who want to think about what it was like to be young and on the make. Yeah. And in fact, I have more female fans than anything because women apparently are incredibly entertained by the foolishness of men. <laughs> well, that's funny. I mean, they have to live with it on the daily. It's great to see it from another perspective. Well, yeah, and, and just, you know, watching them go splat, I think, you know, with, without a mother, our girlfriends care. <laughs> yes, we're just in, we're, we're in so much trouble. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. It must be really neat to kind of look and to see what your audience is made up of. I mean... Must be, I don't know, I couldn't imagine it. It's, that's pretty neat. Well, Goodreads.com is very helpful for that. Oh, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, and, and Amazon just bought them. And, uh, you know, I think the jury's out. I'm sure Amazon has specific plans, but they've got another site called Shelfari that I think existed before Goodreads. And people don't know too much about that one. And I, I, I sure hope that it becomes Amazon Goodreads rather than, uh, Amazon Shelfari, formerly known as Goodreads, because uh, uh, Goodreads is a, an incredible site for writers and readers. It's a great way for authors and, and, and fans to, you know, correspond, get in touch, and, you know, it's all there out, kind of out in the open. And I review books. I, I, I even review books for your one of your competitor stations on Salem uh, Network, KRLA in Los Angeles, and I, I have a weekly book review. And often I, what I've done is I've taken the books that I've reviewed on Goodreads that have the longest message threads where people have argued about my review. Yeah. And that's what I put on the air because, you know, it's interesting. You know, debate is – we need more debate. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, need, we, need, we need debate. And, you know, seriously, I mean, from the standpoint of, you know, if we could just get a Congress that could debate civilly and, 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 and find a way to, you know, compromise and agree with each other a little bit more, you know, we'd have a much better democracy. Absolutely. Well, Gerald, where else could we find uh, the, a lot of the things that you do? Well, my blog for this kind of stuff is boychicklit.com, uh, the uh, Yiddish term for a young man with more hooks than brains, boychicklit. <laughs> and uh, I, I post the audio of my book reviews there, along with the text, and also then comment on some of my you know colleagues' books as well. And um, uh, then also on Goodreads, uh, uh, you can find me there, and you can find a, a, a Gerald Everett Jones author page on Facebook. So, you know, I try to be out there 
you know, it, it's what they call garage band marketing. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you, I mean, you, you gotta you perform in coffee houses for five people, and you know, I know you've got a great audience. So I'm glad to be here. Right. Well, I am very happy to have you on. I'm glad we were able to make this work out, Mr. Gerald Everett Jones. Thank you for joining me. And Mr. Ballpoint, this can be found pretty much everywhere right now, right? That's right. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, they all have it. Your, your bookstore may not. Uh, hopefully, they're out of stock. But if you ask for it, you just say that it. Just tell them it's in the Ingram catalog, and they'll have it for you in a few days. All right, great. Gerald Everett Jones, thank you for joining me, sir. I really appreciate the time. Chris, a genuine pleasure. Thanks for letting me bend your ear. Absolutely. Have a good day, sir. Okay, thank you.